what I realized is that if you if you actually explore what made you feel like an outsider, what are those things you know that that made you feel like you're not part of the club? That could actually become your unique differentiator. Welcome to Playmakers. I'm your host, Paul Epstein, 15-year NFL and NBA business exec and best-selling author of The Power of Playing Offense. In my journey, I have discovered that there are two types of people in this world. The difference between elite performers and the rest of the pack, or what I like to call those that play offense versus those that play defense. Defense, always on their heels. Offense, on our toes. Defense, playing not to lose. Offense, playing to win. Defense, the market dictates the terms. Offense, we operate on our terms. Playing with purpose, playing with passion, and taking control of our future. So now, the question is, how do you want to play? And here on the Playmakers Podcast, we play offense 10 out of 10 times. As we ramp up toward today's episode, pull out your notepad so you can capture all the action so we can make plays and level up together. Playmakers, it's about that time to welcome Lakshmi Gopal Krishnan into the conversation. Lakshmi is a proven expert in speaking truth to power, delivering over 7,700 hours of professional coaching across 26 different countries with 26 years of experience consulting for leaders and teams at Amazon, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, Starbucks, T-Mobile, Hewlett-Packard, the U.S. military, and more. Lakshmi was also handpicked by best-selling author and thought leader Brene Brown as a facilitator and speaker for her Dare to Lead program, a groundbreaking approach that teaches leaders and corporations how to operationalize the number one skill for success, courage. I hope you're as fired up for the conversation as I am. And as a reminder, many of the key takeaways of today's show can be found in the show notes on playmakerspod.com. With that, let's welcome Lakshmi into the Playmakers Podcast. Lakshmi, welcome to Playmakers. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm great. So happy to be here. Yeah, we are fired up to have you on. And Lakshmi, when we initially got connected, I'll tell you that we always hear the term of kindred spirits. And sometimes you connect with somebody and there is just something deep that happens on this instant connection. So for you and I, while there were a handful of things that really resonated, the number one piece and what I think will really fire up our Playmaker community is purpose. You, and this is all over, not only your site, but even in our conversation, I've heard you in certain interviews say, I believe we've all been put on the planet for a purpose. And then I've also learned about you that your purpose is to help people feel seen and step into the power of who they are. Talk to us about that. Wow. Yes. So um, I turned 53 in June. And um, I can say that for the first four decades of my life, you know, I was one of the super high achievers who kind of got mm-hmm. into, got, like many, many of the people that we're talking to, you know, get into something, you're really fired up to do a good job, 
Yeah. You know, there are elements of, you know, of playing and losing and winning and the game that just mm. you send your adrenaline to next level. You know, yeah. all of that feels important and meaningful. And then suddenly, if you're lucky, like I was, you know, not in the most happy circumstances, but I got an opportunity to take stock and look at what I was doing. Okay. Mm. What was it that I had been spending the last 15, 20 years, you know, professionally doing? And, uh, you know, what, like, what did it all add up to? So it added up to a good income. It added up to some great memories. It added up to opportunities to do some fun work with amazing, amazing people, you know, many of whom mm -hmm. have been lifelong friends. But there was no center. Okay. There was the, the center did not hold. And what I found was that there was something missing. There was something missing. I didn't have a handle on what that was. And so you know, this, this sounds more, uh, more thoughtful and intentional than it was because this was a whole process of learning, right? But then mm -hmm. I realized that when, and this is, this is at the core of the work that I do, the speaking that I do, is look, each one of us has a combination of what I call a superpower. Superpower, love that. A superpower specific and unique attributes. That's number two. And then the third part of it is just things that we want to do. Things that we want to do in life. Okay. We may not, we may not know exactly what those experiences look like, but we have a sense of the texture of those experiences. Yeah. Right? And when you get clear on what those things are, you can get super creative about putting them to work for you. Okay, so let me let me give you a couple of examples. Would that help? Sure, please. All right. So my superpower uh, formula, if you will, is soup. It's it's really simple. Okay, you look at the things in your life, professionally and personally, the experiences. They could be work experiences. They could be you know um, personal experiences where you felt that every single part of your being was firing it, you know, okay. So you were lit up. You yeah. felt like you felt alive. Oh you God. Felt yeah, alive. totally. Mm -hmm. You felt alive. You felt like, you know, you were in the zone where, you know, your, your brain is being stretched. Your capacity is being stretched. Okay. The thing that makes you feel most alive is central to that experience. It's central to that experience. And this doesn't mean that it's, easy, but you are on. Okay. Every synapse is firing. You know, you know, you know that there's that absolute lock between what you're doing mm -hmm. and what, you know, and, and, uh, the core of you. So here's an example. When I looked back, you know, I, I was, I was a leader at Microsoft for 13 years. Right. And at the end of that, when I was taking stock and saying, well, something's not fitting, well, what did fit? What, where, what were these experiences where I felt, you know, I was, I was fully alive. Like I was describing, I found that it was those experiences where I was required to assist or lead in some sort of transformation exercise, a transformation from you know, a, a build out from a, you know, sort of a blue sky idea to that first iteration. Okay. Taking an organization that was sort of, you know, moving, uh, you know, with uncertainty and or not performing and sort of helping turn it inside out and reactivate people, systems, et cetera, mm -hmm, to drive, mm -hmm. you know, impactful outcomes. It was that turning of the inside out, you know, upside down, that velocity, that speed, that, you know, that excitement. That's when I felt the most alive. I could identify specific projects, you know, where, you know, we were working 100 hours a week. You know, we had, we kind of had no idea which end was up, 
But we were just going. And my role in that was to help figure out what, what needed to be done and how to get it there. It was that transformation mm. energy. Great. So I started looking you know, at every experience, that work experience that I'd had. I started looking at personal experiences and said, when is it that I really come to life? It's when I'm involved in some kind of transformation activity, when I have a central role in some kind of transformation activity. And so great. I, you know, as I honed in on that, yeah, my, that. my superpower sits in transformation. That's what gives me the highest energy. Okay, so, that, so superpowers tend to sit in really clear buckets. Transformation, amplification, collaboration, okay? Uh, simplification. I'm a simplifier, you know? So those are kind of the categories. If you had to say those are the categories or the buckets that transformation lies within? No, those are more, you know, different kinds of superpowers. Uh, superpowers. Yeah, superpowers. Okay. So yeah. I just, just like, you know, transformer, transformer is a superpower, right? There's also, I'm a simplifier. I'm, I'm a collaborator, you know, gotcha. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the person who can, you know, do, join dots somewhere out there and see possibility where it doesn't exist. I'm the person who can sort of blow oxygen into big ideas, I, whatever it is, it, it, it will land in, in clear and kind of irreducible terms. Okay. So that's when you know you hit it. Yeah, and I want to come back to your formula, Lakshmi, but just to make sure, because I think this is so fascinating, and now we're going to double-click on superpowers, and then please continue with the rest of the formula, but if I'm listening into this, and if you give me the different types of superpowers, whether it's via amplification, transformation, etc., how do I find, like, what is the tactical side of what is the process if I don't know what my superpowers are? How do I go from here to there? Here being current state, don't know what my superpowers are. There being, aha, I think I've got an inclination as to what my superpower may be or is. Walk us through that gap and how you go from here to there. Yes, it's actually quite simple. So you create a short list, three or four experiences that I would call peak experiences. Those experiences that I was describing where you really feel fully alive. Okay, they could be experiences at work and then they could be experiences outside of work. It's very important because the superpower is not just a work thing. Okay? It's a life thing. It's a life but thing. But bottom line, it's gotta be peak. It's gotta, yes, that's step one, is to actually identify sort of three or four or five peak experiences, make them as disparate as you possibly can, and then try and find that through line. What do they all have in common? And so, you know, if in, in another conversation, if we have time, we should do it for you, you know? <laughs> right? Like, what, what is that thing? Oh, record it, share it with the world. Uh, exactly. So that's the first thing. That's the first thing. Now, the flip side of that, identify three to five trough experiences. Experiences where you felt completely out of oxygen. You, did, you didn't feel seen. You felt unappreciated, undervalued, untapped. And you felt like the core of that experience and your core were disconnected. Yeah. Okay. So this could be work experiences. It could be, be personal experiences. It could also be relationships. Okay. Where you felt like, wow, what this person is looking for somehow is just not me. And that's, a, that's another really great, you know, kick the tires test. Okay. Because there's, there's a clarity that drops here, you know, when, especially when you start, you know, you're not 20, I'm kind of looking back and I'm like, wow, all those experiences where, you know, personal experiences where I spent so much time in these relationships, trying to be something that I sensed the other person wanted me to be, but that was not me. 
you know? And then when now with the wisdom of hindsight, I look at it and I'm like, wow, you know what? This transformer energy, you know, the, the curiosity, the, the, uh, the pace of it, you know, the, uh, in some ways sort of the, the managed, unmanaged chaos of it, you know, the, the, the absolute focus, that's not for everyone, you know? And so, um, so that's how you do it. Number one, the peak experiences, find your through line. Number two, the, the trough experiences, find your through line. Typically see flip sides of the same coin. A hundred percent. Just like a core value. If one of my core values is authenticity, one of my uh, triggers, if you will, is when I sense some superficial aspect where I feel like somebody isn't genuine. It's just the inverse of my core value of authenticity. So what lights me up is also what's going to really tick me off if somebody violates it. That's exactly right. And so when you think about your superpower, that's how you do it. And when you so, so it becomes pretty clear. Okay. And so the, that's, that's step one is to find, is to, is to identify what it is, you know? Okay. okay. So it's, it's, it's sort of a, it's transformation. You know, the thing that, that lights me up is when I get to be that person and do that thing. The thing that yeah. shuts me down is when I don't get to do that thing or not allowed to be that person. There's a clarity there. You know, it can take a little bit of time, but once you get down to this, it's, it really starts taking shape and you'll also feel, you sort of feel that you're coming into something. I don't know how else to describe it. No, I fully adopt this. And it's interesting in a lot of playmakers listening in, this will resonate because in the past we've done what we call the lifeline exercise. And sometimes we'll bring folks on and it's really the similar concept of what you just said. If you draw a horizontal line through a piece of paper, birth is on the left side, present day is on the right side, above the line are the positive, you could call them at its peak right? Those moments, memories, events, experiences below the line are the valleys. And then you look for those through lines. So exactly the same process. I've never actually connected it to a superpower. For me, it's more of a purpose discovery process and tool. But now I'm sensing the connection because if I'm living true to my purpose, I feel alive. And if I feel alive, I probably am flexing my superpowers. Well, yes. And so, so superpowers yeah. is step one. You know, that's, yeah. that's that part of it. Um, does that make sense? I mean, is it? It does. And now I, I, maybe this is where you're going with it. Now the, the secret sauce is what do we do with our superpower? To how, we, how do we apply it? Yes. Well, that's so, so exactly right. You mentioned the word values. So clarity of values is also really important. What are those things that are more important, that are most important to you? What are those non-negotiables, you know, that you yes. view, that you view the world through? Okay. So what am I, what drives my filter process of, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, right? That whole thing. And so superpowers, step one, step two is clarity of values. Okay. What, what are the things that matter the most? Step three is also really important, which is, and this is, this is reconstructing that hub or that core that is you. Okay. Step three is what are my attributes? So, so, you know, let's say Paul, that you and I both have a superpower around transformation. What makes Paul uniquely Paul and on purpose and what make Laksh makes Lakshmi on purpose? Like what makes me, me? It's my life experiences. It's my unique attributes. So both of us, you know, we're outgoing and we love working with people, right? Your background, you know, where you grew up, the, you know, your education, the industry that you cut your teeth in, and mine couldn't be more different. In those differences lies the, the ground for our differentiators. Okay, mm -hmm. so, so now Paul's superpower around trans transformation, 
Paul's values and Paul's unique attributes and experiences shape you. Can, can I ask you just a detailed question for everybody listening in as well? Can you provide some general examples of attributes? I, I think you already did, but it would be great to just double click on that to make sure we all fully understand what are attributes? Because some people confuse skills, attributes. What are some examples of attributes? Yeah, you know what? Skills, skills and attributes for me, it's like, you know, I don't get too technical in, in sort of in the definition, but it's, it's good that you call that, you know, call that up because we can talk about, you know, the, the whole bag. So it, it could be, you know, I'm an extrovert, I'm an introvert, even though those are big, brush, those are big, big brushstrokes. Okay, I've lived in many countries. I speak many languages. You know, I uh, like working in systems, I, you know, I, I'm good with technology. I'm not good with technology. I'm, you know, I, um, I like public speaking. I don't like public speaking. Um, I have managed people. I have not managed people. It doesn't matter what it is, but these would. Got it. So you're very broad. I, I, I like that approach. I think sometimes we do get stuck in the technical weeds in the consulting space of these areas. So, okay, good. So, so you kind of zoom out a bit. All right. That's exactly right. And, you know, and, and identify five to eight, you know, whatever it is, you know, that that number of attributes, which really bring bring your life, you know, uh, together. And sort of the, these these things that that are sort of your selling propositions, because that's yeah. where we're going. So you got your attributes and you'd be like, well, I really want to be able to claim that other attribute, which is I want to be able to, uh, you know, live in another country and work in another country. And so maybe I'm not, you know, I'm not a linguist right now, but I, I need to go and learn another language. Great. That's an aspiration. You know, sure. you can identify that as, as an attribute you want to be able to claim. You're not there yet. Put that down. That's great. So now you take all of this together. You've got your superpower, your core values, your attributes, you know, real or sort of aspirational. Mm-hmm. You've got that bucket. And this is what I call the hub. This is your hub, the hub. Okay. Now, from there, you can get really creative about ideating on what to do with it. Okay. Okay. So, so, so here's an example. Um, with my transformer values of sort of independence, you know, uh, and sort of independence, discovery, curiosity, these are my sort of among my top learning, high learning orientation. Those are my top values. In, in terms, I think you and I discussed that when we talked first, the high, high learning orientation, where we both have a value around that. And then attributes around, you know, I've worked in technology companies, I've managed people, I've lived in many countries, you know, I love systems, you know, I love geeking out in data, you know, I love, yeah. I love, pra- you know, like practical execution, love communication. I put all of this together, but my core is around transformation. So this is my hub. I just shared my hub with you. So I do public speaking and it's always on topics of transformation. Okay, whether it's on on courage or whether it's on figuring out, you know, how to give yourself a unique edge. Okay, I'm working on a body of work called The Outsider's Edge, which I'm super excited about, but it's all about transforming your capacity. That's what I teach people to do through coaching or through public. So I do that with public speaking. I do that in coaching. They're not the same thing. And here's something else. When I do business consulting and I I do a lot of that, you know, it's always around transformation. Business transformation, operations transformation, strategy transformation, stage of life transformation. I still do that. Because you're going back to your superpower. You're, that's why. So you go back to the origin of the top of the funnel, if you will. And what comes out of it is the type of work you do. But what's getting the first thing poured in, the first ingredient is your superpower. The first ingredient is superpower and that hub. Yes. That's why I call it the hub. That's why I call it the hub. So it's, you know, so I can create spokes. So you can think about a public speaking spoke. You can think about a coaching spoke. You can think about a 
consulting and strategy consulting spoke, which is actually has nothing to do with, with the people transformation side that you can think about in coaching or leadership development. This is about business. But what do they all have in common is my hub. So for me, it does two things. It relieves me of the anxiety of being fully tied to any one spoke. I do, I do, I, you know, like people sometimes ask me, they'd be like, wow, you know, you, you, do, you do such a good job with, with leadership development. You know, do you see yourself doing this in five years? I got asked that the other day or 10 years. And I said, I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, I, it, as long as I really enjoy it, uh, it's going to be, you know, the heart and soul of what I do. But I also know that, you know, I love business and strategy. You know, I love doing that. And that's equally authentic to me. I'm 100% on purpose when I do work like that. That has nothing to do with love leadership that. development. Nothing. Love that. So, so, it, so it relieves me of the anxiety of like, oh my God, this is the last thing. And then, you know, that's one thing. And then the second thing is it keeps me in a space where I'm constantly exploring. You know, I'm constantly exploring. If I want to sort of plant and, you know, develop, you know, tremendous financial stability, which is in stages of my life has been a huge priority, then I just plant where I am and, you know, like, and blow that up in a good way, you know, as much as I can and really invest yeah. in it. And then if I feel I'm able to take a few more risks, it's time that I can sort of diversify. I'm interested in diversifying. I can do that, but I don't have the anxiety of like, wow, should I be doing this, 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 or this? Because I have that clarity that, it's true to my hub. I'm on purpose. As we take a short break from today's interview, I'd like to share a quick reminder to check out the episode show notes on playmakerspod.com, where you will find a treasure trove of key insights, thought starters, and additional resources from today's conversation. Also, a quick shout out to our show sponsor, Audible who is offering each and every playmaker a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial when you visit audible.playmakerspod.com. With that, let's get back to the conversation. It's time to level up. You are on purpose. You're living on purpose. You're leading true to yourself. So if leadership of self is living on purpose, you are all in on that. So playmakers, as you're listening into, I, I really think this is almost transformed into a superpower masterclass. That that literally is what we've unpacked in this first uh, segment here together. But everybody listening in, hear what Lakshmi just said. If you are feeling anxiety, and you'd like to relieve some of that anxiety. If you want to feel challenged, if you are all in on personal growth and development, you want to keep exploring the way that Lakshmi described, then the masterclass has brought us to a few different areas. One, identification of superpowers. Then we pivot into values. Then we pivot into attributes. And then it all bubbles up into what Lakshmi called the hub, right? And do we know what is in our hub? Now we know what the outcomes of living true to our hub are. And here's where I want to come back to you. Uh, Lakshmi, you said a couple of words in, in our first conversation that actually connect to something you mentioned. You said, I help folks tap into their unique edge. And in our last conversation together, you talked about the outsider's edge. I'm wondering if those two have any connection. My gut feel is they do, but I'd love to bring playmakers into what is that outsider's edge? Yes, you bet. You bet. Okay. So, so here's a question for everybody. 
Can you identify with this feeling? Only you are on the outside of something important. Everybody else has that secret sauce. Everybody on the team gets the game. Everybody else is connected. Everybody else knows. They have the keys. You alone are sitting on the outside looking in. Can you identify with that, Paul? Yes. Yes. Now that connects on a deep level. It does. It does. You know why? Because on, as human beings, we are fundamentally hardwired for connection. That's, you think about it, survival, right? If you're, if you're, if you're, if you're like the one giraffe or, or like the one zebra out there versus, you know, with the rest of the herd, who's the first one that gets, gets bit, eaten and swallowed, right? It's not going to be the ones in the herd. There's safety, there's safety in community. And so we're hardwired for connection. And so when, but, but at the same time, human beings are tribal, right? Yes. And so the herd will always, or the, the tribe will always identify based on who's in, who's out. So each of us, you know, our survival instinct is sort of programmed to, to sort of constantly ask the question, am I on the inside? Am I on the outside? And most of us will have the experience that you and I are talking about, which is, you know, we are on the outside looking in. So that, that outsider feeling is something that I have experienced my whole life. You know, growing, growing up in India, uh, you know, coming to America, it was something that I, I always felt like I was an outsider. I was an outsider. Mm. I was the only one. Who, I was a very high-functioning outsider, but I was, I was on sure. the outside. So that connection, um, heart to, to activity was not always there. And I felt really bad about being an outsider. I'll tell you that. Okay? I felt really mm. bad. I felt guilty. I felt like I was somehow not being something or doing something that I should be and do, which then would give me that insider status. Okay? So that outsider feeling is something we all recognize. Now, as I look back, though, and as I look, you know, back over having coached, you know, thousands of leaders, you know, over thousands of hours and my own experiences, et cetera, what I realize is that if you if you actually explore what made you feel like an outsider, what are those things, you know, that that made you feel like you're not part of the club that could actually become your unique differentiator. Okay, and so here's the connection to what we were talking about is Embracing the fullness of your experience, having the courage to go into those places where that made you feel really isolated and separate and different and alone. And then saying, you know what? Okay, I need to accept the totality of who I am. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of value here. Embracing that which makes me different and learning how to make that my differentiator, my edge. So you're not running away from it. And, you know, instead you're embracing it and through the outside of that process, which, which, uh, which is sort of that, that process that, that um, I've developed, you get to learn how to really you know, translate all of this into bringing great business value to your organization. Of course. It's so, so employee engagement is, is a huge problem with corporations, mm. right? They're, they're, I think the, the numbers are you know, $605 billion in the U.S. alone every year lost to productivity, okay, like, like employees, not, employees not feeling tapped, not feeling engaged, because they're sitting on the- I, I call it they quit before they quit, right? Once they mentally quit, you're getting 40% of somebody. Think about the lost performance, lost productivity, which leads to lost profits, and even the most financially driven CFO, if you tie it back to the bottom line and you say, look, people first is not a slogan, it's a way to drive not only greater engagement, but it actually will increase your profitability because then people are all in on the work because they believe in it. 
Paul, it, you, I couldn't have said it better. And actually, it's so much worse because 85% of employees worldwide, 85% say they're disengaged. Think about how much time a company spends in hiring the best talent. And as you said, you know, the, the talent is, is the company's primary capital, right? Yeah, of course. That's the highest value asset. All this money goes into hiring. But then here's a question of sort of nurturing exactly what made people sort of a great hiring value proposition, nurturing that, knowing how to tap into it, you know, so that people feel fully engaged. That's the part that a lot of companies struggle with. I mean, employee engagement is a metric that's been been tracked for years, decades now. Oh, gosh. Yeah, the Gallup research gets scary. You look at a 30-year blended average somewhere hovering around 70%. And I'll tell you what, for all playmakers out there in Lakshmi, I know you're deep in this space as well, so I'm preaching to the choir here. But given the pandemic that we, I, I say we're transitioning out of, but we're still in it, right? Like the impact is still being felt every day. Gosh, the burnout and fatigue that exists in the workplace today, I don't know if it's ever been higher, you know, because there is a lot of folks that, yes, there is silver lining. There were some timeouts. There was some self-reflection. There's a lot of that. But there was also some industries that didn't have a timeout. If anything, they hit the gas even harder based on whatever opportunities 2020 presented. And now I know a lot of folks, it's led to what we are coining the great resignation. There's a lot of folks being asked to come back to work. So yeah, these are all real challenges. Let me ask you this, Lakshmi, and because we could go in so many different directions here, but I love what you talk about your biggest differentiator. I love when you talk about the outsider's edge. And one of the words that you talked about was courage. Courage is something that everybody listening in cares deeply about. It is why it is one of the fuels of how you can become a better playmaker and level up more in your business and in your life. Part of your background, and I think this is really fascinating right now, and this is no shock because there's so many in the world, there are some Brene Brown fans that are probably listening in here because of, you know, just kind of the synergies that we have and a lot of the things that we speak about and connect on. I know you have a unique background and connection to Brene. So can you tap us into the work that you have done relative to courage? Because I've heard you and of course, Brene talk about that being the number one leadership skill needed. So walk us through that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for the people who who aren't familiar with who Brene Brown is, she is a researcher, you know, university professor, but much, much better known as having one of the top five TED Talks of all time. She has five best-selling books. She's working on a sixth book. You know, she has uh, two great podcasts, Unlocking Us and, uh, you know, Dare to Lead. Okay, yeah. and uh, she has a Netflix special, etc. So there's, you know, Brene, Brene is an amazing human being and uh, Dare to Lead, the body of work that, um, that I'm most closely involved in, is a courage building program for corporations. Okay, there's, yeah. a, there's a book that uh, she created that was based on 20 years of research, including a seven-year study that, uh, that had 150 C-level um, executives to whom she asked the question, what are, what are organizations and leaders you know going to need the most to be standing in five years? And this was like in 2020, mm. 25, 20, I mean, 2015, 16, 17, you know. And the answer that came back was courage. And then the next question was, what does that actually mean in observable terms, mm. right? So anyway, this is what Dare to Lead was about. You know, I had the great good fortune of being personally invited by Brene in 2016, so two years before the book came out, um, to come and work with her on a pilot for the program for Dare to Lead. So with her and a couple of other people, um, you know, we went uh, to several, I mean, tens of thousands of people around the country, um, leaders, um, 
piloting these four skills of yeah. courage, right? So I did I did that with her for 18 months. And then, um, you know, we I sort of was grandfathered into, into the Dare to Lead program as it was. And that is a curriculum-based approach uh, that, um, you know, you, you go out and you train organizations in. So I've trained groups as small as 10 and organizations, you know, leaders of organizations as big as 10,000, where mm-hmm. you, you teach them how to bring these skills of courage into their operations in observable ways. So not just, you know, the pretty poster speak and, you know. Observable ways. Yes. Yes. Observable behaviors. So the four skills of courage, the top one, which, which actually is, is, uh, is highly relevant to what you're talking about, because you were talking about the, you know, pandemic and post-pandemic connections, I mean, uh, conditions, right? Yeah. Where we're all feeling incredibly vulnerable. We feel at risk. We feel uncertain. We feel exposed physically, emotionally, right? All of these things. In that deep vulnerability around us, you know, systemic environmental vulnerability, how do you keep your feet on the ground and a head on your shoulders? How do you stop yourself from armoring up and playing defense? Ah. Okay. Got to play offense, folks. I, someone really smart I know says that. Exactly. Right? <laughs> exactly. I know there's a book. I know, right? Uh, the power of playing offense. Exactly that. So how do you stop playing defense? Because neurobiologically, we are all wired to stay safe. And so when, you know, the conditions around us become, you know, riskier and riskier and more, and we feel more and more vulnerable, where are we going to go? We're going to go like this and, and, and completely, right? We're going to armor up. So the ability to to rumble with vulnerability, to handle uncertain times, to actually stay in the game without playing defense, and not you know not going and necessarily you know like annihilating anybody because that's sort of defensive as well. How do you keep your feet on the ground and your and your head on your shoulders? That's skill number one. Okay, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's so highly relevant. So there are four skills of courage: reset and resilience. Yeah, can you quickly just run us through those? Just this is number one. This is number one: the ability to sort of rumble with vulnerability. And a rumble is any meeting or conversation, you know, where people are trying to um, they're trying to come to some kind of conclusion. Okay, a meeting it, it's characterized by a a willingness to stay open and curious yeah. and generous. Okay, yeah. I'm going to give you the benefit of that's a rumble. Rumbling with vulnerability means being able to do that even when you're feeling vulnerable. Mm. Not easy, but that's what, you know, we, we train, um, train people on how to do. That's skill number one. Now, skill number two actually ties back to the earlier part of our conversation, which is living into your values, knowing mm-hmm. what you stand for, and mm-hmm. then your behaviors demonstrate those values. So if I say I value accountability, I'm accountable. If I say I value respect, my behavior demonstrates respect. Walking the talk. You're fully connected. The outside matches the inside. Yes, exactly. You, you know, you walk the talk. That's number two. And yeah. why is this important? It's because, again, research shows, her research shows that leaders who have displayed the most courage, the most, you know, the most vulnerability, the most abil- the, the highest ability for resilience, they are able to identify the one or two things that they most stand for. And they consistently try and often succeed in displaying that in their behaviors walking the yep. talk. So that's two. Number three is called braving, B-R-A-V-I-N-G, trust. Braving is a research-driven acronym where each of those seven letters, B-R-A-V-I-N-G, stands mm-hmm. for a research-validated driver of trust. Make a quick example. So as an example, uh, A in braving stands for the word accountability. Yes. Accountability being, you know, for trust. yes, the, the, the buck stops with me. 
So um, just keep that in mind. So now you and I, you're, you're my manager and, you know, you and I are having a conversation and you need to tell me that people have a trust issue with me. Okay. Yep. Now, option A is you say, hey, Lakshmi, you know what? We need to talk. You know, people have a trust issue with you. Okay. My, I, the instant you say that, I've lost my capacity to stay in that conversation. Right. And so, and versus option B, where you go, hey, you know what? There's this one area that I really want you to work on. It's around sort of, you know, being more accountable. And this is what it looks like. Can I action A or can I action B? B, always. Because it's specific, it's actionable, you know, and it actually brings this really scary idea of trust, which we, you know, it's one of the highest value traits in business. I think Kavi says it's 200, it, high trust organizations are almost 300% more productive than at, low trust. At least. And it's probably growing as in the current times. Exactly. exactly. So it's such a big and hairy and scary beast. This pins it down. Do these seven things, trust goes up. Don't do these seven things, trust goes down. So that's skill number three. It really makes yeah. trust concrete and actionable. Number four is around reset recovery, reset skills. You know, you know, you know, you know coming from the world that you come from, there's mm-hmm. never been a time in, you know, in our recent memory where reset and recovery is more important. And this is the fourth skill. We teach you mm-hmm. strategies for quicker reset and quicker recovery. Okay, so uh, Brene has something where she describes as sort of the physics of vulnerability, which goes something like this. If you are brave enough, often enough, you're going to get your butt handed to you. So getting back up on your feet quickly, being able to stay open and curious and sort of moving forward rather than sort of stuck there, you know, with your baggage, so important. So those are the four skills. Yeah, so, so my, I've, I've had this, this, this good fortune of working with her for, for you know, for several years now. Um, and I'm one of the three senior mentors worldwide for that community. I do keynote speeches on, on courage. And uh, personally, it's work that I've, I'm, I can really believe in. And because I'm a data geek, I love that it is backed with solid research that's ongoing. Okay, so I can go into a company and say, hey, you know, this is the research that drives it. I'm not making this stuff up. For sure. It's not just my internal feel. It's actually validated through real, no BS. This is how this has been proven, tried and true. Let me ask you this. And look, I think everybody listening in, of course, if you weren't already a massive fan of Brene Brown, I hope that Lakshmi has given you a million reasons to convince you into it. But what really attracted me to Brene and her work is because I'll get to courage or back to courage in a second. But I love when she said you could have courage or you could have comfort, but you cannot have both. And so in her words, you've got to get your ass kicked in the arena right? You've got to get a little bloody. I've also learned about you. You said I've earned my scars every day. So like, listen to the words we're using, right? Like the bloody and the scars, like life can get very, very difficult and challenging. And that's where courage comes in. Cause my personal definition of courage is standing tallest when fear and risk are highest. That is my personal definition of courage. I don't need a Webster dictionary. That's how it's shown up in my life. And actually, I couldn't make this up even if I tried, Lakshmi, yesterday. And this is what I want to lead into our final question, but I'm going to share a quick story to tee you up. So for the last question, yesterday I was actually leading an offsite uh, leadership retreat. And I took them through an exercise that was about one word that inspires you. And my word Every time I'd lead this, I say courage. And when I explain why, I say that when I lost my dad at 19, and especially being an only child, I saw how my mom stepped up 
every day from the day it happened to the day after, to the day after, to the day after. And it infused courage into me. And now these things on the outside, like, oh, why would you bet on yourself? Why would you leave sports? Why the Jerry Maguire moment? Why start your own company? Like these things that seem like massive leaps and risks and people have called me crazy a million times over and I freaking love it. And just like you, Lakshmi, I don't know what's next. I can't tell you in five or 10 years other than I'll be living and leading true to my purpose and I'll be creating impact. I'll leave the details out and I'm okay with that. I didn't always think that way, but that's courage. And that is how I stepped into courage. So now your final question is a word that inspires you. If inspire in Latin is to breathe life into, name me a word, name us playmakers a word that inspires you and why. God, I was gonna, you know, I was actually drafting off of courage myself. Okay. I was, I was going to say courage. I'm going to say confidence just because, you know, you took courage before I did. Okay. But, <laughs> so I was like, courage Beginner's is, love, courage is pick one, man. Yeah. There we go. Right. But I'm going to say confidence. Okay. If, if this, this is what I've learned, you know, I've, I've, I came here at 22, 22, 22 years old to school, you know, from another country, 500 bucks, my passport and a scholarship. That was it. Okay. And from there, you know, I came to a good school, you know, I went to Microsoft, I had a really good, you know, innings there, as they'd say in cricket, you know, I, I, I did, I did well there. And then at 39, when I stepped off the bus, I simultaneously went through a really bad divorce, you know, and there was this one morning in, uh, you know, not that long ago, actually, when I looked at my checking account and found that I had $72 and 36 cents in my checking account. Now, okay. So for any, for any immigrant who's out there listening to me, right? Anyone who's kind of had a big dream and kind of, you know, made, you move mountains to make that dream come to life, you know, and it was kind of, it was on its way. And then suddenly the whole thing blew up, you know? Yeah. I stepped off the corporate bus, you know, by choice, you know, the, we, my longtime husband and I, we decided to get divorced. There was choice in all of this, but I suddenly found myself in the spot where, um, you know, I was not living the immigrant's dream. It was kind of the immigrant's nightmare, you know, um, right? And um, I had a lot of choices at that moment. You know, I could have gone back to India where I'm from, you know, and sort of tried to hit restart there. Or I could have looked at how I started in this country, right? 500 bucks, a scholarship, and a passport. I didn't even have a work permit at the time, you know? And here I was 16 or 17 years later with... 16 years of work experience, you know, 16 years of learning, hits, misses, getting my ass kicked, you know, lots and lots of, I mean, talk about scars, right? And so I decided at that point that I was going to stand back up on my feet and keep moving. And I realized now that there was something in there that was fueled by courage, but also around it was the belief that I could make it work if I did the Mm. work, if I did the work. That's the part where it's like, none of this is an entitlement, you know that, and I know that. I mean, I know, I know where of you course. stepped off the, your version of the corporate bus, just like I did. It takes yeah. a lot of courage to restart anything or to start anything. But if you believe that through there's yes, luck, but you know, hard work, hard work, you do the work, you can have the confidence that you'll get enough out of it to either pursue that exact direction and or find the thing that's more in line with what mm. you should be doing. Okay, so I'm going to say confidence and trust, not unaccompanied by work, though. Mm. 
Okay, so trust a company by work, but the first gut instinct, I know it was courage, I get it, I get it, but you went with confidence and I can, from my heart, from my soul, say that you have inspired confidence in all of us today. You've created a massive fan base amongst all of us playmakers. Where can we find you? Where can we follow you? Yes, so so you can find me via my website on, uh, that's Infinite Impact. So my, I call my company Infinite Impact because I really do believe that each one of us has the ability to touch that in other people that really releases that spark. And then, you know, it's an exponential, you know, infinite impact. It keeps that ripple effect. So my company is the Infinite Impact Group. You can find me at infiniteimpact.com. And that's infinite with a hyphen. So infinite-impact.com. Awesome. And we'll put all that in the show notes for sure. That sounds very good. And uh, yeah, so, so I do keynotes. And um, as I said, you know, I, the Outsider's Edge is, is a near and dear body of uh, thought, leadership and work that I'm really deep into. And so I look forward to the opportunity to, coming in, you know, to, to come talk to your, your uh, listeners about that sometime as well. Fantastic. Well, on behalf of all playmakers out there, thank you for helping us level up. We loved having you on. I have a tremendous feeling this is going to be far from our last conversation, my friend. So I can't wait for the infinite impact ahead. Can't wait for the next time. Loved what you just heard? Share it with another playmaker. And if you gain significant value from today's episode and genuinely feel that you have leveled up, would so appreciate if you gave us a five-star rating. For all of today's show notes, head over to playmakerspod.com where you can not only enjoy additional resources from this show, but all previous episodes as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you tune in from. And on a personal note, I'd love to connect one-to-one. Hit me up anytime on LinkedIn at Paul Epstein or Instagram at Paul Epstein Speaks. Playmakers is produced by Detroit Podcast Studios in collaboration with Purpose Labs. Wishing you a high impact week of action and purpose. See you next time on Playmakers. Playmakers.